guys, it's Caroline Scott, and here's what's happening on the Hill. If you're visiting with us today, we would love to say hello and get to know you better. Stop by our I'm New wall after the service. You can't miss it. It's the big orange wall, and we'll have a gift there waiting for you, too. And now, I'm going to toss it to Ray Brewer, our student pastor, for some exciting news about upcoming events, including our Daddy-Daughter Dance. Hey guys, and welcome back to The Stew. It's Ray and I've got some more announcements for you. Starting out with February 10th is Daddy-Daughter Date Night. It's going to be this amazing experience for fathers and daughters to come have some dinner, have some laughs, and dance a little bit. Right after that, on February 12th, we have our Super Bowl party, or our Stew Per Bowl party. Do you get it? Because of the stew. Anyways. And so, we need you guys to come on out, have your kids, tell everybody that it's going on. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be in the gym. It's going to be amazing. So, because we're in the month of February and there's a lot of stuff going on, we in the stew are going to be talking about relationships, godly relationships, with our new series called Purple. But that's not all. We also have summer camps coming up, and they're not really anytime soon, but we want to make sure that you guys know about them. So start talking about them. Start getting people excited. It's going to be a blast. And if you don't remember any of this, that's okay, because we just set up a remind for the stew. And for our parents out there who need to know all of this information, it should be right here-ish. It's on the screen. So if you guys could just send that text to that number, that would be awesome. And we'll make sure to let you guys know every time there's an event. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ray. And guys, if you haven't made plans for your sweetie by now for Valentine's Day, shame on you. Just kidding. There's still time. Stop binging Netflix and come to our Valentine's dinner. It's for a great cause, and it only costs $20 per couple. And listen to everything that includes. Dinner for two, fellowship, fun, maybe a little dancing, and childcare for all your little rugrats. You can't beat it. So go to our website. It's shelbychristian.org, shelbychristian.org. Sign up under the adult tab, and man, you can thank us later. James 127 calls for us to take care of orphans and widows, and we are so excited about a brand new ministry called Heart to Heart. Please bring in prayer for this ministry that connects volunteers with senior adult widows in our church to check on them, take them food, call them, or visit them. If you're interested in helping out with this amazing brand new ministry, please contact Doug Taylor, call or text 502-418-5460 or email detaylor25 at gmail.com. God is doing amazing things on the Hill. It's so exciting. So many baptisms. So let's welcome our newest Shelby Christian family members. We love you all. She didn't quite want to go under, did she, at first? I think she, at second thought, no, it's, it's all good. Glad you're in the house of the Lord. I know it's rainy out there, but you made it in. You fought through. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing to the God that fights our battles. Amen. No. 
Him. Let's lift up praise to Him because in those battles, we need to keep praising Him. 
keep singing the goodness of God. We love you, Lord.
entering into a time of communion and offering. And just as a reminder, there are uh, communion stations all uh, across the room here in the front. There's also black boxes there for your for your offering. Um, in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, God comes to Moses and he says to Moses, I want you to establish with the people. He's, he's, uh, he's setting up these, these laws, right? He comes to Moses and he says, I want you to establish this first fruit law, this first fruits concept. And God says, here's what it is. I want the people to remember to be mindful of what they have now in this promised land, this land filling with flowing with milk and honey, this place that I've always promised them, and now they're realizing it. It's, it's from me. It's from the Lord. It's a blessing to them. It's a fulfillment of the promise that God made to his people. And so he says, Moses, uh, tell the people that they are to, in the springtime, when the harvest is in, to, to bring in, the first fruits of all their crops, the first fruits of, of whatever it is that they are producing. So for some, it would be wheat. For others, it would be honey. For some, it would be olive oil. For others, it would be the, the wool of the sheep that they were raising. And God says, bring the best, bring the first as an offering, your first fruits offering. That was a command that God gave the Israelite people. Now, for us, New Covenant, New Testament, Jesus has come. Jesus is the fulfillment of, of those Old Testament laws and commandments. And, and he comes along and says, hey, we are not under that old commandment. We are not under that old law, that old requirement. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, hey, because of Jesus, because of what he's done, here's what God asks of us Christians when you give, collect the first of the week, and when you gather your offerings, do so with a cheerful heart. Don't do so with a, a, under a compulsion or that it feels like a tax or something that is being squeezed out of you. Do it in remembrance as an offering, as a, as a sign of worship back to the Lord for what he has blessed us with. And that's what offering is. That's what our offering is each week on the first day of the week. And so here's my encouragement to all of us is there are some new folks in our church and in, in, in this community of believers, and maybe you're new to, to giving back to the Lord. Here, let me just encourage you with this. Set up a process, whether it is on the first day of the week, the first of the month, whatever it is, in person or online or however you choose to give. But don't do it out of a, oh, this is what the preacher says we need to do or this is what the church says we need to do. Do it out of a place that realizes how much you've been blessed with. And, and do it out of a place back to a God who says, I am a God of the first fruits. Don't give me the scraps left over at the end of the month. Don't throw a, a, a couple bucks in the box as a tip on your way out. Do it in a way that is a part of your worship. It, it's a part of your communion. It's a part of this whole process that we stop each week and think about and pray about. When you think about God, he is a God of first fruits because he gave his best, his first and his only son 
for us. And he said, I'm going to give him, I'm going to sacrifice him to the world for you as this blameless, perfect, holy son of God for our sins. And so what God says is, practice that in your life. Giving back a portion that he's given to you. Be a person of first fruits. Like he is a God of first fruits. We had a great uh, together offering last, at the end of last year and the first of this year. It's a tinsy look at things like that and big numbers and big things. And, and look at all the resources that a church like this has. And wow, it's, things are going really well there. And they're not bad. But they could always, they could always be better. We've, to just be totally honest with you, the first couple of weeks of this month have, have been a struggle uh, in, in what we've seen. And so we're saying, God, let's re- be reminded of what you're doing in this place. If your family, if you as an individual, if you have a kid or a grandkid, or, 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 or you look around and go, man, this ministry has blessed us. God, you've blessed us with so much. What is it you, you ask? And it's to give back a cheerful heart and know that God expects the best from us because he's given us his best. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we have each and every week to gather as a community of believers, as changed lives. We see it every week on the videos and in person, people, person after person after person, that you are just coming and you're ambushing with the Holy Spirit. You are just coming in and changing them. And they're giving themselves to you walking a new and a new life with you. And God, there, this auditorium is filled with stories, filled with people who you have done that. And God, we know you're not finished in our community. We know you're not finished with this world, that you continue to tell the story day after day, week after week, year after year of how much you love us and what you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. And that we are called to go and share that with this world. And so God, may we be a church that understands that mission. May we be a giving, a giving, generous place that looks at the first of the week, at the first of our, our budget, the first of our resources, and say, God, I'm going to give you the best portion, the first portion, right off the top. God, we don't want to give you our scraps. We don't want to give you our leftovers. We don't want to give you, we don't want this to be an afterthought. May it be the first thing on our hearts as we give back to you because we know how much you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. And say his name, I pray. Amen.
sing that chorus we used to sing years ago. It goes like this. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. take down another section of curtains all right so keep it coming keep it coming and uh, and you guys hey like you went against the flow today and came out in the rain and what's up with that way to go way to go because you know that's all it takes sometimes a little bit of rain a little bit of rain and uh somehow we don't we don't you know you know what i'm saying all right thanks for (laughs) thanks for being here you know what you know that you have arrived in life when you can go by just one name you know you know the people that are out there that yeah they've got middle names and last names but we just know them by one name just one name's all it takes, and you know who I'm talking about. There's some women that fit that category perfectly well. Let's see how many of you know. Like when I put this picture on the screen, this one here that's going to be in the top left corner, boom, or up there, boom. Okay, two of us. Now this is audience participation. 
like when the picture comes up, you're allowed to yell, all right? Because if you think, like, if your picture of church is like, we got to be quiet, you're really going to struggle for the next 30 minutes, okay? All right, all right, all right, so, so the, Oprah, all right, what about that one right there? Okay, <laughs> something like that. I think, uh, maybe, I'm not sure. Yeah, there were some pictures I couldn't put there, all right? I'm just... <laughs> Just saying, all right, all right, see, all right, so, so you're here now, you're here, let me, what about this one there? All right, like three, three of you, that are like, it's so funny, the difference in services, it's so funny, first service, there's like three people got Madonna, and the whole auditorium got Adele, it's like so different, anyway, anyway, all right, now, here, for those of you who really struggled even figuring out who Madonna even is, You guys really dated yourself there. (laughs) But there are those people that we we know we can see the picture, boom, we know. We know exactly who it is. And because of what we know about who it is, we probably are making some judgments. And and hopefully making some now this series that we're in that's called up to us is all about that We're looking at some things in these seven churches that jesus had john write letters to that are in the Second and third chapter of the book of revelation And these churches have some good things and some bad things and based on those things We are trying to make some decisions and it's up to us to make good decisions So this week we're at week four. We're right in the middle. We're we're at a church in a place called Thyatira, all right? And and here on the map, you can see that we start off talking about uh, John, who's writing this, is on this island of Patmos that's right down here, okay? And he, the first letter was to Ephesus, a coastal town, and then to Smyrna, another coastal town. And then last week, we talked about Pergamon, which is up here all the way at the top, not really a coastal town, but now we're moving even more inland, and we get to Thyatira. In that day and time, not being a coastal town, presented some problems from a commerce standpoint because that was, you know, the ships and stuff was how a lot of the trade was done. But Thyatira was interesting because although it's not a coastal town, it's significantly inland from the other, from some of these other cities. It had trade unions coming out like, you know, crazy like trade unions and guilds and all kinds of different things that you would imagine, some that you wouldn't imagine. One of the things that's interesting that we know about Thyatira is that one of the trade guilds they had there was making purple linen. And you think, purple linen, that's a weird trade. In that day and time, that was significant. Because if you had something purple to wear, a purple dress or a purple robe, you were somebody. You, you figure out what name brand there is that's out there today that you say, oh, that means they've arrived. If they, you know, if they wear that, they're like, okay, that's purple. And there's a lady named Lydia that we read about in the book of Acts, and she is a maker of purple, and she's from Thyatira. That's where she's from. And this church is interesting because it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's like a bipolar church. All right, because it's it's some of the best stuff that you'll read about in these seven churches, but it's also the most corrupt 
of these seven churches. So you got some people that are like, they get it, man. They're boom, they're, they're, they're in. And then you got other people that are like, what are you even thinking, all right? And so they got both of these things going on on the inside of the church. Uh, Ray Stedman was a pastor. He wrote this about it. He said, but there were some good things going on on the inside of this church. Our Lord tells us what they are. He said, I know your deeds or your works. And he said, I love your faith and your love and your service and your perseverance. Again, those, all, those things are all related. We're going to see in just a minute in the text because love leads to service and faith leads to perseverance. And if you love God, then you're going to serve people. That's why we talk about it all the time. And so we're going to try to learn some things. Now, I want to go back to, to people with just one name. And I want to show you one more, but this one I don't have a picture for. For some obvious reasons, it'll be obvious in a minute. I don't have a picture, but when you see this name, you just got a picture in your mind, didn't you? Yeah, you, there's no, there wasn't any, because there wasn't photo, photography, so there's not an actual picture. But you see that name come up? And, and Senator, you've, got, you've got a picture in your mind, but here's, you know what's interesting about that? While you have a picture in your mind, I'm willing to bet anything that not a single person in here knows somebody named. If you do, we need to talk to her parents and figure out what they were thinking, all right? Because nobody, nobody would name their daughter Jezebel. Because we have an image of Jezebel. We, we have an image of what that person would be like. In fact, Jesus has that same image we're going to look at today because he talks about Jezebel as an adjective, as we're going to see in just a minute in, in our text today. But the, the name and that person and the adjective and the pictures we have all come from a story that's found in the Old Testament. It's in the book of 1 Kings in chapter 16. And it's actually about a king named Ahab. Now, if you look in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 30 and 31, here's what it says. It says, but Ahab, the son of Omri. Omri was a king and he died. All right, the verse right before this tells us that Omri is dead and Ahab is taken over as king. Ahab, the son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight even more than any of the other kings before him. Now, th that is significant. I don't care. I, maybe you've read a lot about the kings in the Old Testament, but if, if you haven't read anything about them, let me just let me just give you the Reader's Digest version of some of the kings. There were some messed up dudes that were kings in the Old Testament, some great kings, but there were some messed up guys. And th this definition of Ahab he did more evil than any of the other kings before him. Verse 31 says, And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of the king of Ethbal, of the Sidonians, and he began to bow down in worship of Baal. Now there's three things, just in, the, in those two short verses, three things that we can learn about Ahab that kind of starts setting the, setting the pace of the story. The first is, he was the worst king, I mean, sorry, his morals, who he was as a person. He was worse than any other king that had scrolled through before. 
The second thing we can read about him is at the beginning of verse 31, and different translations say different things. This translation, which is the New Living Translation, says, uh, as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam. Some things, he, some things just literally say he didn't think sin was that big a deal. That's the root of that, uh, of what they're saying about him there. Was so like, this guy, like, yeah, whatever, whatever. You know, I, I know the Ten Commandments said that's a sin, but whatever, whatever. And, and he began to tolerate sin in his own life because it wasn't that big a deal. He was already doing evil. He didn't think sin was that big a deal. And then he hooks up with this lady named Jezebel, who was a mistake from the jump. He should have never hooked up with her. Now, I, I know that never happens today. I know there's never a guy that hooks up with a woman he shouldn't hook up with or a woman that hooks up with a guy. I know that does. But let's just imagine if it did. We can quickly see where problems would arise. And so you've got a guy who's already evil, doesn't think sin's a big deal, and he hooks up with this woman named Jezebel who worships the God of Baal. Now, so, okay, well, it's another God. But here's the deal. That Baal, that God of Baal, Baal was the God of fertility. And this is adult church. That's why we have children's church, okay? All right, so you know where we're going with that, right? This God of fertility. If you worship the God of fertility, it's kind of like we talked about a little bit last week. Sex is a big deal to you. Any sex, wherever sex, doesn't matter what kind of sex. Now, sex as God ordained it and wrote about in the Old Testament, that's a gift from God. Amen? All right, that was the way, but it's the way God designed it is a gift from God. The way Baal and his worshipers and his followers interpreted it was not from God. It kind of goes back to that sin's not a big deal, doing evil things. So now that's Ahab and Jezebel is just feeding that evil desire. And the problem in Thyatira is that they were tolerating Jezebel doing stuff in the confines of church. Now, last week, our big word was compromise. And they were like, stuff was going on around on the outside, and they were kind of starting. Now it's on the end. They're tolerating it on the inside. And, and, and Jezebel, in the, in the name of worship, is, is saying, this is all about God. And it's like, so, you know, whenever, whoever, however, you got my picture, all right? And that's what's going on here, and it's being tolerated. It's being tolerated right there as part of the church. And since it's up to us to learn from good and from bad of these churches, I think we need to jump in here and see what Jesus says to this church at Thyatira, okay? The message begins with this description of Jesus. And it tells us that he knows the truth. And so if we're trying to learn from that, then we need to know the truth. Because he knows the truth, we need to know the truth. And so the first thing we need to learn today is know the truth. Know the truth about a situation. Look what it says here. Verse 18. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Thyatira. 
This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire and whose feet are like polished bronze. Do you see this phrase that starts right here? Son of God. It's only, you know, all throughout these letters, every one of them, Jesus has introduced himself, telling this letter is from, and it's some introduction. It's the only time that phrase is used in these seven churches. The only time that phrase is used. In fact, what's really interesting, this is the only time in the entire book of Revelation that this phrase is used. You might think if you spend much time or you know anything about the book, it's all about the second coming of the Lord, what that's going to be like. So you would think that the, the term or the phrase, Son of God, would be all over. It's the only time. It's the only time it's there. I wonder why it's the only time it's there. I think Jesus is saying, this is a big deal. What's going on here is a big deal. This is the second straight church that they've talked about two major sins. And, and that is promiscuous, ungod-ordained sex and eating food that was sacrificed to idols. Those are big deals to God. And when he says, I'm the son of God, what we know about that is in, in our pluralistic world to say that Jesus is the son of God can be one of the most divisive claims you can make. It's like when Jesus was talking to Thomas, and Thomas said, how are we going to follow you? We don't know where you're going. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. That's a bold statement. That's a bold statement that Jesus is either is who he says he is, or he's a lunatic. History proves one of those is the answer. All right? And so here he's saying, church at Thyatira, understand, the Son of God. And so when we worship the Son of God, we are worshiping God. When we hear from the Son of God, we hear from God. So God is speaking to this church, and he said, man, I know what's going on there. I know what's going on. Now, the interesting thing is in the very next verse, he celebrates the good. Because God being God, Jesus being Jesus, knows what's going on. So he knows when we're doing something good. Look what it says there. It says, I know that they, all the things you do, I have seen your love, your faith, your servants, your service, your patient endurance. And I can see your, con- your constant improvement in all these things. He said, church, church, you've got the good works of Ephesus, but you still love. Remember Ephesus? I said, you're doing some good things, but y'all don't love me like you used to. And Jesus in here, you guys got love going on. Some of you are really loving well. You've got that going on. You've got the perseverance of Smyrna, who in the midst of persecution was staying strong. You've got good theology of the majority, like the majority of the church at Pergamum. Whatever else there can be said about Thyatira, and there is other stuff going to be said, the Lord clearly says it's still making great spiritual progress. It's great to be part of a church that's making spiritual progress. That's why we want to celebrate all the really cool stuff that God is doing here. But while we are celebrating the good, we want to be self-aware enough to realize that we got to keep the train on the tracks so that we don't veer off the tracks and end up being a church that not just has... that's. All right? And, and so he says, we got to keep this thing going. I see the good that you do. 
And then we get to the next verse. And what we've got to learn is that not only does Jesus know the truth, not only does he celebrate good, he recognizes and points out evil. Somehow in the midst of all of this good, there's a fox in the hen house. Y'all remember Foghorn, Leghorn? Y'all remember that cartoon? Yeah. I say, I say, I say, there's a fox in the hen house. You know, okay. There is a fox in the hen house of this church. Her name is Jezebel in the church that we were reading about in the Old Testament. Now here, I don't necessarily think this lady's name is Jezebel because look what Jesus says. He says, but I had this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman. <laughs> Anytime I read something like that, whether, whether it says woman or man, whatever. Anytime somebody's talking and they say, that woman, man, they're making a statement, okay? You realize they're making a statement about that person regardless of their, of their, of their God-given gender. They're making a statement about, you permit that woman... That Jezebel, you see, put that in front of it again. He's not, that's not her name. That's what she's acting like. It's like that woman, like that Jezebel that we read about before. And then who calls herself a prophet or some translations say prophetess to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I saw the good you did. I commended you on that, but I got this against you. You're letting this go on. You're tolerating this. How in the world could this happen? How in the world could they tolerate this stuff? Well, we all have blind spots. Remember when you were learning to drive? Remember when you going through driver's ed? And the teacher, your parents, that state trooper, whoever was giving you the test. And they always wanted, before you turn, what you better make sure, not only you turn on the signal, but you better check your what? Blind spots, you know, and we know where it is for the most part. It's back to, back into the right I mean a little bit to the left, but mainly back into the right and, and you better check that blind spot. I always wanted a big truck Some of you guys know that because I, I whined and complained about it for years. I always wanted a big truck And I've got one now But guess what came along with my big truck? big blind spots bigger blind spots now so far by the grace of god it hasn't happened if you were one of the ones that honked i'm sorry (laughs) but there's been so many times that i have almost merged into someone because of the blind spot because i didn't see it all of a sudden somebody had to draw my attention to it honk and whoa got front there are things in my spiritual life too that I need people to point out and to honk the horn about a blind spot where I can get in real trouble real quick. And the problem is we tolerate it and we don't even know it's happening. We don't even know it's happening. I go to the gym every day and I, I try to put my, I put my headphones in. I just try to stay in my lane and do my thing. It's enough of a struggle just to survive there. But I am observant about things going on. And I see dudes in the gym that are like, who are you trying to impress? When I ask that, I know who they're trying to impress, all right? She's over on the treadmill. That's who they're trying to impress. And then I look over on the treadmill, I'm like... Really? That's what you're wearing in here. And I'm trying to stay pure and stay holy. All right? And then the next thing I know, old boy that's trying to press, an old girl that's not wearing that, then now they're, they're just being nice to each other. They're just talking. And I'm like, did y'all come in the same vehicle? 
then don't leave in the same vehicle. Because all of a sudden we get there, we I'm working out. I'm just being nice to that person. I'm, no, we're tolerating a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And if we're not careful, it's going to take us someplace that we can't get out of. And that's kind of what's going on in this church. It's kind of what's going on. Some of you thinking, I didn't sign up for this today. Well, good. God did. All right. So here we go. All right. Because the only other thing that I can think of that doesn't, that other than blind spots that will let you end up there is, and you got calluses. Kim, Kim, like my wife, Kim, she likes to walk a lot. And, then, and, she, and she walks a lot and she's got, you know, nice walking shoes. But like if there gets, I mean, it doesn't have to be big. Like the smallest pebble, like just a little bit ahead of a grain of sand, all right, kind of thing. If she has something in her shoe, and heaven forbid it be like the top of an acorn, that just causes all kinds of problems, all right? But she's going to stop and sit down and take her shoe off and get that pebble off because she's not going to walk with that irritation in her foot. And the only reason that you wouldn't notice that pebble in your shoe is if your feet have become so callous that you can't even feel that. And we've got things that go on that callous our heart that we don't even feel sin. Do you know there are kids that are born without, without pain sensory? pain sensors in their body and some of you think that'd be cool I wish that had been me I wish that had been no you don't no you don't because moms and dads you know what do we teach our kids about don't touch the stove because it's hot and eventually they what touch the stove and they burn their finger a little bit and we know it's not the end of the world and but but okay they figure it out oh, that's what mom was talking about when she said but if they had no pain sensors they just lay their hand on it and fry their hand because they can't feel the pain. What Satan wants to do to you is he wants to get your heart so calloused and to get the pain sensors so unaware that you will tolerate things that in your right mind you would never tolerate. And all of a sudden you're in a mess of hurt. You're in a mess of hurt. Now, what he's, when he says that woman, that Jezebel, has nothing... Jesus could care less in this moment about her gender. It's all about her sin and what she was leading the people to do. And just think of the things we've grown to tolerate. I don't care how old you are. There are things in your lifetime that you have grown to tolerate. That you, have grown, that you would have thought that probably in your right mind you think, no way, no way that would have hurt. Do you remember, some of, us, some of you told me last week that I dated myself when I used the get smart illustration. Well, I'm going to go even earlier than that, this one. All right. Ricky and Lucy. Do you remember Ricky and Lucy? They weren't even allowed to sleep in the same bed. All right? On non-TV, non-national. You realize they're married, right? You realize, and, and if this is a married couple, this is not good marriage advice right here. Just, well, that's a different sermon series. We'll get to that some other time. But that's, that's the, but because you weren't allowed to show a man and a woman in bed together, even if they were married. For years, this is what we saw on TV. (laughs) Now you can take your phone and see whatever you want to see on it, if you're so inclined. How'd that happen? We tolerated some stuff. We tolerated some stuff over the years. 
When I was in high school in 1978, the Supreme Court met, and they actually voted on this. The Supreme Court in 1978 voted and passed a law that there were seven words that you were not allowed to say in public on the airways at all. Period. Period. They were kind of taking on George Carlin. That's a different story too. But anyway, seven words that you cannot say. If you say them on the radio or TV, it wasn't internet at that time, but if it was, whatever, then you can get fired and the company you work for can lose their license to broadcast. You can't say those seven words because they deem those seven words too filthy to be on public airwaves. It's been more than a decade since I've since since I have listened to any kind of political talk show. Uh, I don't watch the nightly national news. Haven't in over a decade. You know, if it's like if the world explodes, if I don't feel it, somebody tell me because I'm not going to know. Other than I try to read a lot and try to stay up a little bit that way, and Kim keeps me informed as well. Uh, but I just I can't handle it because I would listen to stuff and I'd find out my, I'd find myself getting mad. mad. I'm like getting road rage just listening to stuff on the radio. And so I just said, I'm done. I quit. I quit. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to watch it. And so I came up with a great solution. It worked perfect for me. It felt right in my world. I'm going to listen and watch sports. That's it. How can they mess that up? How can they mess that up? I mean, it's just all about scores and a little bit of commentary. How can they mess that up? Yeah. Watch the NFL today and watch the commercials. No, don't watch the commercials. They'll mess that up too. And, and so I, like in, the, in my truck with my blind spots, I listen to sports talk radio, or I used to. This week, this week at 3.30 in the afternoon, I'm sitting in the car rider line, getting ready to pick up my granddaughter from school, and I'm listening to sports talk radio, and all of us, I'm confident, I am confident that I heard at least three of the four words that the FCC disallowed in 19, the Supreme Court disallowed in 1978. I'm like, are you kidding me? Middle of the afternoon. And so now, now I ain't got nothing to listen to. Christian music and me singing. So anybody want to go for a ride? I mean, that's what I got. That's what I got, all right? But here's, here's the whole point. Here's the whole point. We tolerate stuff, and we tolerate stuff, and we compromise stuff, and we tolerate stuff, and all of a sudden we're living in a world that we can't imagine, and we won't have that happen. I figured it out. Here's how I look back at our text. Look at the things that Jesus said about her. He said that, he said that woman, that Jezebel, look at the next phrase. What's the next phrase? that calls herself a prophet. See, it was Jesus talk. It was God talk. She was, she was disguising everything she did in God talk. She was saying that this stuff that I'm telling you today is part of worship, it's part of God. And like, oh, well, if it's God, okay, whoa. You know how much stuff, messed up stuff is out there that people are hiding behind Jesus talk? People that don't have a clue what this says, but they're saying, well, this is what God would have us do. Or they'll say, this is what my God tells me. Like, you got your own? How'd you pull that off? You don't. We all got one. Same one. All right? And, and there's even, you got to be careful. 
There's even stuff, there is so much good stuff that is out there. There's good stuff on the internet and there's good stuff in bookstores, but there's some junk out there that are written and talked by people that don't have a clue what this says. I'm finding out more stuff every week. You got to be careful. Like we've got this thing called Right Now Media that is really cool. It's really cool. Our church pays an annual subscription so that every one of you in here has access to Right Now Media through our website. And through, you can just log on. You don't have to pay a penny. We got it. We got it. There's between fifteen and 20,000 Bible studies on that. And it's really, really cool. Some of you guys have used them in your life group and in your person. And there's some really good stuff. But let me give you some advice. Before you start a Bible study on there, call Bobby and ask him, Call him and ask, hey, is this any good? Because there is some stuff on there that's junk because it's not in here. And so you better, when you're doing those studies, you better not just sit and watch, oh, man, he's a great communicator. He might be telling you lies. And so you better have this. I keep hearing stuff. I heard something this week about a preacher that I won't say his name, but you you would not believe what he's teaching now. You would not believe him. We've done some of his stuff. We won't anymore. We won't anymore. I'm going to stop preaching and go to meddling, so I better get back to the sermon here. We've got to be very careful not to buy into everything that's given under the name or the umbrella of Christian or church. And we better check it out and make sure that the message of Scripture. Let me show you three more faces. Three more faces. You recognize these guys? You probably recognize that one. You studied him in school. This guy's named Jim Jones. He's probably the first reason you ever heard about a little place called Guyana. Because he took a bunch of great people from California and convinced them that he was the son of God. And they went to Guyana and drunk Kool-Aid that was laced with cyanide and all died. He was a preacher. This guy, his last name's Koresh. He got a bunch of people in Texas to think that he was the Messiah and they burned to death in the Branch Davidian. And Hitler, he thought what he was doing was God. He thought he was following God's God to create a perfect race. These, these are messed up dudes that people followed because they used God talk. They used God talk. And Jezebel, that, that Jezebel who called herself a prophet, convinced people to tolerate things they wouldn't have otherwise tolerated. And then the next thing that Jesus did was here, not only did he recognize and point out saying, he confronts it. He confronts it. Look at verse 21. He said, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. <laughs> See, the reality is, the Bible tells us that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but that all will come to repentance. But there is a time when he, said enough, when he says enough's enough. There is a line that you cross, and it, 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 it's sorry. You cross the line. Jezebel's crossed the line, and look what it says starting in verse 22. It says, therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. She's convinced them. They've tolerated her. She's convinced them. They're doing the same thing. Now they're in trouble and they can't just say, well, she told me, no, you did it. You did it. Now you're in. You know, in our justice system, they call it, at the very least, they call it an accomplice. And after a while, no, you started it. You did it. 
All right. And then look at the next thing. This one's hard. I will strike her children dead. Now, maybe he's talking about her biological offspring because there are all places all through the Old Testament where the sins of the father were passed down for generations. But in this case, I don't necessarily think he's talking about biological offspring. I think he's talking about spiritual offspring. The people, the, the people who followed her, who were her children in that sin, they're going to die. They're going to die. And then he says, then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches the thoughts and intentions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. I'm glad at the end of the day that Jesus didn't give me what I deserved. Because what I deserve is hell. But he came and he took my place and paid for my sin. But he calls me, just like he confronts sin, he actually calls me to do it. You know the Bible tells us how to confront sin? The Bible tells us that if we see a brother or sister in sin, Jesus said this. It's in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus said, if you see your brother or your sister in sin, you, you need to go to them. You don't need to go to somebody else. You need to go to them. You need to go to them and say, hey, I don't know what I'm seeing, but here's what I'm seeing. Is, am I seeing it right? Because if I'm seeing it right, there is a train coming down the track with your name on it. And you can talk about hate crime all you want. And you shouldn't say that. You've got to be politically correct. You can't bring that up. But if I see you on a train track and there's a locomotive headed to you, and I don't say, hey, you better watch out. You better get out of the way. Or I don't tackle you and get you off the track. I just leave you standing there. That's the greatest hate crime I can imagine. And there's some people standing on some tracks today that need somebody to step up and say, you got to get off the track. Because the day of reckoning is coming. He says, so you go to them. Don't go talk to somebody. You go to them. Then he says, if they listen and they, they repent, then you've won them over, and that's great. If they don't, then go find somebody else who knows, and two of you go. Take, take a witness and say, go, look, look, we, we care too much about you not to say something. We're not trying to get all up in your business, but we care too much about you not to say something. And then he says, if, you, if they listen, great, you want them over. Then he says, if they don't listen then, then take the elders of the church and talk to them. And if they don't listen then, this don't have anything to do with them. That sounds pretty harsh. But here's why. Because if you do, and if you still hang around with them, you tolerate them, all of a sudden you're going to become one of them. We tell people in recovery, it's all about peace of people, places, and things. If you go still hang out with the same people in the same places, chances are really great you're going to do the same thing. That got you in trouble in the first place. And so Jesus says, I'm going to confront sin and you need to confront sin. Let me finish this up really quick because I want you to come back. He circles back around. He started off with the good, then he confronts it, and then he comes back to some good. He encourages faithfulness. Look at verse 24. He said, but I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this teaching, these deeper truths, as they're so-called. That's what Jezebel said. Hey, I got a deeper level. I got this more stuff. I, I can enlighten you in what God's not really telling you. You know what? That's the same junk Satan pulled in the Garden of Eden. In the very first sin, he's talking to Eve and saying, yeah, God doesn't want you to eat that tree because if you do, you'll know everything that he knows. You'll be just like him. That's why he's holding out on you. And there's so many people, some of those people in Guyana, some of those people in the Branson Davidian that were convinced there was a deeper truth. Jesus says, there's no deeper truth. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep following me. Just keep doing what you're doing. I'll deal with that woman. You keep doing what you're doing. 
And then he says that we'll share in the victory. Let's finish this up in verse 26. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. I will rule the nations in the iron, with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority that I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. See, what he's saying is you're never too far gone. I've had, I've had conversations with men, that some, some that have broken my heart. I've been with guys in golf carts and at other establishments where they've told me everything they've done. I've had guys look me in the eye and say, I have screwed up so bad that God could never love me. Man, it breaks, breaks my heart when I have those conversations. Like, what? I'm like, no way. No way. Let's, let's talk about it. Let me tell you about a bunch of people in here. Let me tell you about a bunch of people in here. Do you know the guy that wrote over half of the New Testament was a murderer? Amen. And he's killing Christians until God got a hold of him and changed him? You know the guy in the Old Testament that they talked about being a man after God's own heart was an adulterer and a murderer? And then when he did that and realized what he'd done, he prayed, God created me a clean heart that God did. Do you realize that this thing is full of screw-ups? Just like me and you? But we're never too far gone if we come back to him. If we come back to him and allow him to change us. So you want to be changed? You can be changed. You want me to make clean? He can make you clean. You want a new start? He can give you a new start. He can wash away every sin. In fact, what the Apostle Paul said, all that old crap, sorry, all that old stuff that got you in trouble, all that old stuff, it is washed away and you are made whiter than snow. The old is gone and you're a new person if you choose to be. If you choose to follow me. So here's the deal. Let's finish this up. Here's the deal. Man, I, you can have Jezebel or you can have Jesus. You choose because you can't have both. You got to make a choice. And if you've got stuff going on in your life that ain't right, I'm going to go Bob Newhart on you. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've heard me teach this before. Remember Bob Newhart show, the one where he was the counselor? There's one episode where he's sitting at his desk and he's doing counseling. He's got this woman sitting across the desk from him. She's telling him every horrid thing she's ever done. And like, you know, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep sleeping with guys. I can't keep doing it. I can't quit. I can't quit, quit. And Bob Newhart just sitting there to listen. And finally he leans forward. You think he's going to say something profound. And he looks at her and he says, stop it. Stop it. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, who you've done it with. Stop it. And come to the one who can make all things new. Because the bottom line is simply this. If you truly believe that God is good, oh, he's good. He's so good. If you truly believe he's good, you want to follow him, it's time to shape up and not tolerate sin anymore. Would you guys stand with me? Here's the deal. While we sing this song, maybe you're here today and you really don't even have any idea why you're here today. 
and, and, and you're like, you're, but you heard something, you're like, there's something, something ain't right, something I got to do, and I don't have a clue what it is. Cool, we're glad you're here. God brought you here so that you would hear that. And while we sing this song, while we sing this song, everybody hold tight. Everybody hold tight. Remember, we're trying to get people to come this way, not that way. Everybody hold tight. All right? All right? Then we got some people over there that love to talk to you. We got some of our staff, some of our ladies over there that love to talk with you, pray with you, help you along. If you know, no, I got to do it now, then cool. I'll stay here all afternoon, baptize you. It's that important. Let's get it right while we worship together.
here. If this was your first time that you've ever been here, thanks for coming. Please stop by the orange, big orange wall out in the lobby. We've got a gift for you out there. Uh, Brett and his team are out there. If you're interested in our Valentine's dinner for couples, there's a sign up at the table in the back there. Uh, ladies, if you're looking for Ken to get some Bible study stuff, she'll be back there as well. Uh, and until we get together again, let's get out of here. Let's go love God. Let's go love people. Let's watch him change the world. We'll see you guys.